This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Coming up next, conversations on human rights with Speak Up, Korerotia, here on Plains FM. Eina mana, eina reo, eina ho e fa, tena koto katoa, no mai ki tene hotaka. Speak up, Korerotia. Tune in as our guests speak up, sharing their unique and powerful experiences and opinions. And may you also be inspired to speak up when the moment's right. Ko speak up Korerotia tene, ko Sally Carlson, aho. Ko problem gambling or gambling harm te kopapa o te rā nei. We've got three guests with us who each bring a different perspective to this topic. You're all part of the same family, the same fano of organisations though, which is quite nice. It's nice that you all know each other, but you all work with slightly different populations and therefore I'm sure you have slightly different takes on these kinds of questions and issues as well. We're particularly going to be looking at the role of culture in gambling and gambling harm. And I think the different perspectives that you bring today will be really interesting and really beneficial to this topic. It would be lovely to hear from each of you a wee bit about yourselves and about the organisations and how they all work together. Kia ora, ko Bridget Thorne Tokuingawa. I'm the National Director of PGF Services. We sit under Problem Gambling Foundation or PGF Group, so the three of us lead uh, three different services under PGF Group, which used to be called Problem Gambling Foundation. We would say that we're the general service and we pay particular attention to making sure that we're um, culturally aware and safe for Māori, and that's important to us, and so that we... We ensure that our services meet the needs of Māori who are the most affected by gambling harm. Talo Falava, I'm Pesil Ahoni. I lead the Mapumaya service. So Mapumaya is the Pacific service. We're a national service uh, looking after our Pacific communities. As one of our many contracts, we provide gambling harm intervention, uh, which is counselling, teletelenoa, and we also uh, deliver health promotion and public health services in regards to gambling harm and other coexisting issues uh, across New Zealand. We work quite collaboratively with uh, Asian Family Services and PGF Services, uh, as well as other community and government agencies. Um, in terms of our Pacifica culture, we provide coexisting and holistic services for those who are impacted by gambling harm and their whānau. Thank you. And you mentioned something there which I think is really critical, and I'm sure we'll talk about more, but it's not just gambling, but the, the wider issues that are going on at, at the same time. Yes. Gambling harm most often isn't in isolation. It coexists amongst um, other social social issues, mental health and addiction issues um, and so on. Thanks. And finally, our final guest is Kelly Feng from Asian Family Services. Kia ora, I'm Kelly Feng. I'm the CEO for Asian Family Services. So Asian Family Services uh, have been providing minimized gambling harm since 1998. We're a part of a PGF group and gradually we become kind of a more independent organization. So similarly, we're providing Asian helpline, which is nationwide. We're providing over eight different Asian languages as well, Mandarin, Cantonese, Korean, Japanese, Thai, Vietnamese, and Hindi, and obviously English as well. We're also providing to the Asian population the public health lens to raise awareness and work with industries and to have a safer gambling and also working on the policy level, a lot of submissions as well. And obviously, we, we're providing clinical intervention, which is uh, providing counseling and group work, um, both in the you know, community, but also in some of the prisons as well. Obviously, like PCO said, we are, um, again, one of the few national organizations for Asian, and we do provide other services than only minimize gambling harm. We do have our Asian well-being services, which we're providing more kind of holistic mental health, mental well-being kind of focused as well, working across different GP clinics and providing parenting course as well as uh, suicide, post-mention, emotional support. 
We do have our newly developed DG language support, which is an interpreting service and translation service nationwide. Obviously, that's kind of helped a lot over the COVID time, which is contactless. Over the last three years, we have been providing under the Ministry of Social Development community connection services, the COVID response to provide more culturally appropriate food. Unfortunately, there's a lot of suffering um, for families who lost job and can't afford to put a food on the table as well. And we do do a lot of research like, uh, you know, MapMaya and PGF that we're really willing to kind of uh, explore evidence-based research. And we have our own kind of uh, integrated tree model for us to do intervention as well. Yeah. And we have uh, other different things we'll probably talk about. Sounds great. Thank you so much. Just to set the scene, it would be great to hear from you all a little bit of background to this topic. Do we have a sense of how many people in Aotearoa gamble and how many of them it tips into problem gambling? And what is problem gambling? We're similar to other countries with about 1% to 2% of the population experiencing gambling harm. Gambling harm is any sort of harm as a result of your gambling. People used to sort of be focused on problem gambling, which in the research is usually seen as the sort of hard end of the issue. We focus on any harm and harm can be measured in a variety of ways. But they sort of estimate that there's probably about 75,000 people in New Zealand that are affected by gambling harm of their own. And then every one person who has gambling problems would affect sort of six to eight others. So that could be family, friends, and in the workplace. Again, it's like other Western cultures that have got the proliferation of gambling as we do. You could say that 80% of the population gambles, but that includes playing lotto, which is often done without harm. It can cause harm, but it is often without harm. So those that gamble is quite different than those with harm from gambling. Another important aspect of it is is it depends on what product you're playing leads to more harm. So we know that of people that play pokey machines, for instance, it's more like 40 to maybe even 60% of those players that have gambling harm, whereas lotto players, it's very low. Busafika makes up around 22% of those who are coming through to services. You know, when we make up only 8% of the population, 22% is quite high. Busafika being four times more likely to be at risk of gambling harm than, say, European. And so it is quite a concern for Pacifica. We are overrepresented in numbers. When we look at... As what Bridget said, one problem gambler can affect up to eight or ten others with Pacifica that's slightly higher. Uh, We also know that those who are not the gamblers are the affected others. So it could be partner, children, employer, friends. They are also affected and harmfully impacted by a person who is gambling. Almost 50% of those who come through to Mapumaya are affected others. And we provide services for family and friends as well. You know, uh, you talked before about what are some of the harms. As Bridget said, you know, we look at why Pacific are experiencing more harm than, than, say, others. Research states that access has a big part to play. One of the contributing risk factors for Pacifica is access. We know that over 50% of pokies in uh, Aotearoa are in the poorest areas of Aotearoa. And we know that those who live in the poorest areas are the most vulnerable communities, primarily Pacifica and Māori. And then there's also uh, lots of other things that contribute to gambling harm, socioeconomic aspects, poverty, the normalisation of gambling in our culture contributes highly to gambling harm. We have for many years used gambling activities like raffles and housing to raise funds to build our community, build our churches and our play centres and our community halls. And the introduction of more dangerous forms of gambling like 
online and pokies have opened up more opportunities to gamble and uh, the normalization of gambling has contributed highly to harmful gambling. And that's why it's really important that we do a lot of the education and raising of awareness in our communities to provide that information, to provide those tools, to provide safety tips and give opportunities for our people to openly discuss gambling harm and what does it look like for them because gambling harm carries a lot of stigma and carries a lot of shame which is also a barrier to accessing help so when we think about the tip of the iceberg being those who are above the water those are people we can see and those who are coming through to access help but below the surface is the biggest chunk of the iceberg that we can't see And that is who we're targeting because under the iceberg is people who are experiencing harm but are not able to access help for many different reasons. I'll stop there because I could talk all day. You've touched on so many of the topics. I think it would be great to be able to dive dive into a bit more if we have time down the line. Asian problem gambler, unfortunately, we sit about 13.8% in 2021's research Asian, unfortunately, are experiencing 9.5 times harm than compared with the general population. So we say, yeah, Asian really gamble and that's embedded in the culture, especially gambling activity as uh, entertainment, not knowing a lot of times of a gambling addiction side. And like PCU said in the research also says that's a strong associate with stigma and shame when it comes to problem gambling. And they think people have their own issues and they, they have to sort it out. Um, but again, the access for where a lot of migrants come to New Zealand, having that casino 24-7 as a migrant loneliness and not be able to establish their friendship or integrate it in the, in the local society. And some of the people we serve is more like, you know, restaurant, hospitality, um, young people who really have, you know, nothing much to do and going to casino is one of their entertainment time. And the other things is for a lot of young people, a particular international student for Chinese and Indian um, are the largest cohort from the even the exclusion from the casino, bit of lack of financial budgeting time where they're pretty young and come here, have a large amount of money for them to study about. And they, they kind of uh, have that excess money and time to gamble. We do a lot of raising awareness of the gambling harm and try to kind of let people access early as much as possible so they can, we can kind of help at the early stage. Not, you know, some of the case we, we do save it like they lost over quite a significant money, like a million dollars. And then it's become a really crisis intervention. And they want to end their life and all that. And so that's why we kind of really want to raise that awareness of hidden addiction, we say, for gambling addiction. That's really important for all populations. Yeah. We might have our first song and then we'll come back and think a little bit more about the cultural elements that contribute to gambling harm. You've touched on a lot of them already, but there may well be a few more we might be able to pull out as well. One, two, three, like a bird I sing. Cause you've given me the most beautiful set of wings And I'm so glad you're here today Cause tomorrow I might have to go and fly away Hey! I'm down to my last dollar I've walked right through my shoes Just a small reminder of the hell that I've gone through But look at me still smiling Cause I'm wondering what I'll do Since I ain't got nothing, I got nothing to lose Everybody say ha 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 Well my friends are always giving me watches, hats and wine That's how I know this is serious That's how I know it's time I don't have to worry about things that I don't have Cause if I ain't got nothing, I got nothing to hold me back And one, two, three, like a bird I sing Cause you've given me the most beautiful set of wings And I'm so glad you're here today 
on a tour from coast to coast. I'm leaving everything behind. There's not much that I need. Cause if I ain't got nothing, I'm put loose and fancy free. And one, two, three, like a bird I sing. Cause you've given me the most beautiful set of wings. And I'm so glad you're here today. Cause tomorrow I might have to go and Speak up, Kōrerotia, and we're talking about the role of culture in gambling and gambling harm. We touched on a lot of elements already in that first section around why is it that Pacifica and Asians in in this particular conversation have a higher incidence of gambling and gambling harm, and we touched on various things like the role of raffles in the Pacifica community, raising money for community services. Kelly, you mentioned things like homesickness and loneliness and access to money and time and 24-hour casinos as being something for many Asians that's different to how it is back in their countries. Are there any other elements that um, from your work you notice in terms of the cultural elements that come into play here? I think culturally, for Pacifica, gambling is still considered a form of fundraising. It is considered harmless and fundraising for a good cause, whether within their family or for their church or community group or the rugby team. So that awareness is is still not 100% there. And and so behaviour-wise, they, they don't seem to think that there are forms of gambling that are actually more harmful than others. So there are definitely forms of gambling that are less harmful. We have lotto, we have housing and raffles. But then, as I said before, we're more harmful types of gambling that they're exposed to. They, they don't quite realise that they're in trouble until it's too late. So we do our best to do that health promotion, that awareness. And so when we're talking about the culture of how gambling harm or gambling activities is perceived, it is perceived as harmless social fun. And we have a lot of advertisements uh, that our communities are exposed to that pitch it to being harmless social fun like the lotto ads or the ads around, you know, being into win, all those things that are all over um, social media, uh, TV, radio, and even um, out there on the community in terms of signage. So 
When we're looking at norms and behaviours, there's also strong gambling behaviours that they come with when they come to New Zealand. They are exposed to gambling activities in the islands, for example, and they participate in those gambling behaviours or those gambling activities. But once they come to New Zealand, they're also exposed to a whole new world or level of gambling. They've got casinos, they have online, they have pokey machines, more prolific and as we see, more dangerous forms of gambling. So those are kind of some of the behaviours and norms that we are seeing um, coming through in research and also into our service. Asian is over 34 ethnic groups that are lump sum together. Mm-hmm. For example, Chinese do kind of a lot of gambling activity like margin and other form of gambling. When the festival comes, it's kind of a norm in the culture to play and people do believe that time of the festival they have the luck and by migrant to New Zealand legally in New Zealand like casino and other like pokies and are legal and they have this kind of a false belief it is legal it must be safe to play because the government allowed to have those venues and, and casinos open some of the migrant country they don't have those um, as a legal activity the other things is for lottery we do have a lot of participation in lottery as well although probably um, less problematic but a lot of countries in back home promote it as almost like a charity for people to do a charity work as a good view of buying lottery and do some of the payback to the community they feel like they're contributing and also some of the times um, when festivals while people migrant in New Zealand and that can be quite vulnerable time and a lot of venues unfortunately do using those opportunities to attract more people to celebrate and while they have a lucky draw or other activities and so those are drawing them to go to those venues at a vulnerable time and they do believe they were you know lucky at the time they might play more than they can afford some of the different culture like particular for example young indian male international student or filipinos they work here as a temporary working visa so and the student visa they use those gambling opportunity as a form of earning income rather than they think they're smart they they can beat the, the odds and all that to almost like earn some extra money and extra cash to live on a lot of things are slightly different from each group but again that been normalized about lack of awareness of gambling harm side, which is uh, the dangerous part, um, and not knowing where to seek help when they even hit the problems. Um, it's, it's quite challenging. And that's why I think, uh, like PCU said, we definitely need to do a lot of more public health work that are culturally and linguistic appropriate, that really targeting those vulnerable people we serve and so they can really um, access service earlier. A lot of the examples that Pesio and Kelly have brought forward are, are people coming into New Zealand and bringing cultures from home with them. How about when people are here already? Are we seeing culture come into play as well? For sure there is. So the research is showing that Māori are about six times more affected by gambling harm than Pākehā. As far as I know, it's not to do so much as their culture, as their environment. For instance, there's I think it's again about six times more pokey machines in the poorer areas. So those low deprivation areas have way more access to the machines. If you think about living in that environment where you're just trying to make make do from week to week, the idea of winning some money can be a sense of hope to get out. And what's the point of trying not to gamble if there's that possibility of winning and it doesn't really make any difference if I lose some because I'm going to be poor anyway, then that environment factor is is really crucial. We do a lot of policy work as well and look at the harm to, to communities and you can imagine also in that community where all there is is sort of fast food, alcohol, gambling, and um, maybe a pawn shop, then, you know, what options do you have? I think it's also important that the product is very harmful. That's pokies, 
and online gambling. It's highly addictive products. And so that will hook people in if you're already feeling vulnerable or desperate or you've got trauma or trauma from colonisation right through to trauma from abuse, then that's going to affect you and and that desire to escape or to, to get away from the immediate situation you're in. And they're highly addictive products. I mean, that's why we've shifted the language away from problem gambling, which that focuses on the individual and looks at actually gambling harm is caused by a harmful product. So culturally, yes, it's part of our culture that's it's entertainment and it's coming more and more into sports. You know, people talking about odds when they're thinking about who might win the game. It's definitely part of our colonised history as well. We brought it to Aotearoa. Have you noticed any trends over time? Are we seeing increasing or decreasing? And, and I think there are some, some differences. Anyway, yes. any, any comment around yeah. trends? or um, and, and who else do we see? So other than ethnic groups, are we seeing um, younger people, older people, men or women? Are there other sort of characteristics that come into play, generally speaking? It's about 50-50 women and men, and it's across the age groups. There's just, suppose, different modes sort of can shift across. So online gambling is very popular now. It's, it's trending up, particularly with younger people. We need to keep an eye out for the gamification of, of gambling. The gaming industry and the gambling industry are talking a lot about how to merge their products, if you like. So gaming's doing some gambling features and we'll probably be seeing more gambling products doing more gaming as well. Yeah, so the online gambling is, is a big trend up. Sports betting has been trending up for a while. I agree with Bridget in terms of online stuff and and the gaming uh, for Pacific, being concerned about that crossover or that merge. We're seeing a lot of our young men, um, that, that's a trend at the moment. So when we talk about young men, we're talking about between the ages of um, 18 and 40. That's increased dramatically for, for our service anyway, uh, for Pacific. After an analysis, that's because of the online space, sports betting in particular. Different age groups have different different reasons and different products, different types of of gambling. So we've got our older age group with the pokies and a little bit of housey and a little bit of lotto. We've got the younger age group, not so much pokies, but sports betting and casino as well and online. Those are the latest trends that we're seeing. Definitely during COVID, during shutdown, uh, we were just as busy as ever. Even though the the venues were closed down, people found other ways to gamble, whether it was online or whether it's through Messenger and Facebook and all sorts of things like that. From our research, it says like problem gamblers or the kind of the people experiencing gambling harm are more likely to be male Indian unfortunately, and they are under 50 years old. So that also falls quite a bit of young um, age earning about 50 to 70K. Moderate gamblers are more likely to be Filipino, age between 30 to 49 years old, earning about 70 to 100K. Lower risk gamblers are more likely to be Korean and earning about similar 50 to 70K. Again, I think that from the research, but also from our service, we do see different age group like old adults tend to go to casino a lot. They might kind of um, gamble within an amount of money, but again, it's due to the loneliness and other issues. There's also trending for online gambling from the recent research we did was uh, a lot of involvement on the online gambling activities. Uh, people do start switching to online casinos as well. Um, again, that's quite a, a potential risk because it's pretty much uh, on top of your finger um, with your phone and that's it. Um, you can access 24-7 anytime and there's no limitation. Um, so that's that's a bit of risk as well. And As um, Bridget was saying, like mixed with gambling and gaming activities, that can be also risk for a lot of our young people without knowing the harm side or addiction side. We just conducted a a big research project. Uh, We just completed that this year. And the report is on our website. And uh, it was around Pacific Youth and is online gaming a pathway for problem gambling? We found that more Pacific Youth were 
spending more money than any other ethnicity on on gaming, buying skins or avatars or playing games with gambling mechanisms that allows them to spend more money than they intend to, to to further their chances of winning a game. There is definitely concerns. And one of our recommendations from that research project was that uh, there needed to be more work done with education and health promotion and, and not just with young people, but also young people and their families. Most parents do not understand especially in Pacifica, that kids playing online games exposes them to online gambling and gambling mechanisms that these games have. And and that's also a risk. So there needs to be education, not just with our young people, but also supporting our parents to further understand the online space. It's certainly easy to see how someone could play a game and buy the avatar or whatever it is and and how that could then progress slowly 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 into something more yeah the pathway definitely yeah cool tewaiata tuarua we're going to have our second song now and then we'll get back and talk about the role of culture in talking or not about gambling and gambling harm you once, I loved you twice, that's where this tale begins. I played my hand, I rolled the dice, now I'm paying for my sins. I got a bad addiction, baby, it's you, yeah, yeah, that's right. And I feel you taking over me, could let be a lady in here tonight. My odds are stacked, I've never been a gambling man, I've never had the The devil in disguise With every move I'm blinded by those Diamonds in our eyes I got a bad addiction Baby, it's you Yeah, yeah, that's right And I feel you're taking over me Could let be a lady in here tonight My odds are stacked I've never been a gambling man I've never had the winning hand But for you Lose it all My odds are stacked I've never been a gambling man I've never had the winning hand But for you Up 
with Pesu Ahoni from Mapumaya, Kelly Frang from Asian Family Services and Bridget Thornley from PGF Services talking about the role of culture in gambling and gambling harm. I'd like to think specifically now about the role of culture in talking or not talking about gambling and gambling harm. We've, we've talked a lot about how culture can come into play in getting into it in the first place. We've talked a lot about the need for education, not just of the gamblers themselves, but of the wider community. Talking about it is obviously the first step or the crucial step in getting some of this awareness out. So how does culture come into play in this situation? For Pasifika, talking about it's really hard, especially if you have a gambling problem, because there's a lot of stigma attached to it, a lot of shame. Quite often, um, not being in control of your money is seen as a very, very bad weakness, or it's a it's a judgment on your integrity. With the Pacific community, we've spent many years trying to raise the issue of it's okay to talk about it and have open discussions using public platforms like radio, like community groups, uh, like church groups, uh, to be able to start discussions and and have people talk openly about it. That uh, kind of engagement has been really successful for us to be seen in the community, to be visible and to be ordered and to be heard in the community discussing it. So that with Pacifica, we need to build trust and rapport with community. We need to have the right sort of engagement to talk about anything that has high stigma attached to it. Problem gambling is very much like other taboo subjects within our culture. So the messenger needs to be just as important as as the message when it comes to Pacific. So we work really hard to make sure that the messenger is the right person. The message hits the right notes or hits the right places. We're not offending anyone. We're not disrespecting anyone. We're also not judging people. And to be seen and heard in the community is just as important. We want people to access help early rather than when it's too late or when they've lost everything or when they've been impacted in terrible ways within their family and in relationships. So that's how we bring culture into it to make it sure it's effective as well as appropriate. Sounds great. There's a lot of work around champions. I think that's kind of echoing what you're talking about there, making sure that the messenger is the right person. Choosing your champions is really important. Who are you going to get that's got the right manner? to get the message out there. Yes. For Asian, yeah, definitely self-stigma is really strong and shame and guilt. And this is really difficult to bring up uh, talking about problem gambling. And also to a lot of Asians in general would also see how the others are seeing them. So that's kind of almost double stigma and shame uh, from how you are the failure and you didn't really have the control of your gambling behavior and and feel guilty about losing money to the family and bring the shame to the family as well. The way to break out some of those um, is through our public health work. We did uh, so many years of uh, raising awareness but not talking straight away for gambling harm or problem gambling. We're often using some other ways to engage with the community, like, you know, well-being or other things um, to start with and to really slowly to approach and talk about problem gambling or gambling harm, even raising awareness of the addiction side of the gambling by using a really culturally and linguistic appropriate way, using different ethnic social media or media to really reach out to those communities. I think a lot of public health campaign in the national scale normally does not reach out to the Asian community. That's why we really need to have a, a more kind of a culturally linguistic um, specific channels and message that really resonate with people and they feel like that is the story is related to them and speak to them so they can really connect and when come to seek help, they can seek help. And one of the other things is uh, Asians help seeking behavior wise uh, tend to seek help from friends and families. I think uh, from my, my memory, we have about 68% people will seek um, help from 
family, friends compared with um, the national kind of a mainstream that would be uh, almost like 70% will seek help from GP and professionals when it comes to a more kind of a problem. So that's also give a lot of indication. Um, we really need to educate our community and those community leaders to be able to help um, their people and empower those groups to be able to create that clear pathway to seek help. One of the other things is confidentiality is pretty important. Important. Some of the community are pretty small, like our Vietnamese uh, staff telling me, you know, everyone will know a lot of people in the community. So talking about openly, those people need to be assured they have the trust within the community and to be able to trust, say, for example, Asian Family Services. So we, they know you guys are not volunteers. You, you will keep confidential. You are professional. So they have that assurance and to be able to have the courage to pick up the phone and to give us a call and to seek help as well. So we have to be in the community to build that trust. And that takes a long time. And definitely those are the public health work um, we need to really keep going and and doing in a much national scale and using those different platform of, uh, you know, social media, media to reach out to those communities as well. Yeah. So stigma is a, yes, a big thing for anybody seeking help for gambling and the stigma and shame. We're aware even in the addiction recovery circles that people feel if they've got gambling harm that that's worse than even alcohol or drugs and, and they can feel stigmatised even there. I can't speak for Māori but I do know that just generally our culture is about the number eight wire and doing it ourselves and just you know the idea of going to counselling is is this frightening thing that no no I can just fix this and and one of the issues with gambling is that it can feel like you can self-manage it for a long time. So people, you know, will go from week to week believing that next week will be different. I won't I won't gamble next week. And then payday comes around and then they do it again. And they, they're sort of always trying to manage their finances on their own and get more and more isolated with that. But the idea of actually seeking help for gambling is is massive. Also, in comparison to other addictions, um, you don't have the same physical deterioration that will lead you or drive you to seek help because your liver's failing or, or something's happening physically. Most people never seek help for gambling harm. And our strategy is to just make it as easy as possible. And that when that, that person takes that courageous step to reach out for harm, that we're there immediately and can give support immediately and be absolutely culturally aware and and responsive. So we have a cultural advisor, we have a kaifakariti, we have a team that is every day engaged in how to work with Māori and, and is supported by a team of Māori within our service as well. How about in terms of other norms? And I'm wondering here particularly around gender norms and also the role of religion. Yeah, so I think, again, there's areas of the community that we still need to reach, and the rainbow community is one of them, but also the deaf community and disability community, because I think the stigma is even higher for them in terms of like just reaching out for services and feeling that they can be part of our service and be supported by our service. So those areas are on our radar in terms of how to meet their needs and make our services as accessible as possible. Yeah. There are many parts of the Pacific community that we um, have worked um, really well beside and, and supporting those communities understand uh, gambling harm. Just in terms of religious groups, we've always worked with the Pacific Church community, with uh, church leaders and, and church ministers, which have always been great and, and they've always been really supportive because they are leaders of their church communities. They see um, how mental health and addictions and all the other coexisting things like family violence, gambling harm affects their congregation and their members. So they're very supportive for any support that we can give them, whether it be education, workshops, whether it be providing counselling within their church premises or just being visible and being available. 
to help, whether it's their leadership group or their uh, or their congregation. And then that's always been met with support from the churches. We know that, uh, as I talked about, housing has, has been a big way that our churches have raised money in the past. So we, we've helped quite a number of churches seek alternative ways to raise funds other than gambling activities, which has been great. And we've we've also supported them to promote and implement policies within their churches not to accept uh, or not to have gambling activities within their church groups or even accept gambling related funds, whether it from um, the Pokey Trust or lotteries. And so those are just been ways that we've been able to work alongside the religious groups and been able to help uh, many community groups over the years in terms of understanding gambling harm and also um, prevent gambling harm within their um, community church groups. The show's going to air just before Christmas. Do Big events such as Christmas have impact on how people gamble. And I can imagine that they may well do because there's a lot of research that shows that Christmas is Mm -hmm. actually quite a stressful time of year for a lot of people. There's presents to buy, there's food to cook. Absolutely. And researchers has stated, and we've experienced it ourselves, that uh, it's a time that a lot of people are stressed. A lot of people are under pressure to buy gifts. So what Bridget talked about, that hope, to win something, to, to get them out of the situation um, that they're in is a, is a huge driver for a lot of people to gamble over the Christmas period. And so we're very aware of that. Christmas is one of our busiest periods uh, in terms of the gambling services, that we, gambling support that we provide. So it, it definitely is a very stressful time for many, many families and will be even more so this, this Christmas. Cup Week in Canterbury, so that's also another time that that is very highly stressful for people that have been gambling on races in the past. And so we do a lot of support around just sort of keeping them safe over this week. There's major events during the year, um, Cup Week, but also Christmas, that lead to more stress and more um, relapse, unfortunately. Definitely, I, I couldn't agree more with PCO and Bridget. But on top of that, um, a lot of migrants would be quite lonely time because of that is kind of a family gathering and kind of a reunion and that can be quite stressful for people who don't have those connections and have a place to go to celebrate and so they might be vulnerable and choose to go to those venues unfortunately and that can be seen as they just want to be part of something but again that will be drawing to them more gambling activities it is stressful in different ways for different people Okay, well, unfortunately, kua pote wa, we've run out of time. This has been a hugely illuminating discussion, and I really want to thank you all for sharing your vast expertise. You've answered the questions like total pros. Yeah, just thank you very much. And I think this show, as I said, airs just before Christmas. Uh, and if people need help, we've got Mapua Mai, Asian Family Services, and PGF Services, as well as other organizations who are there to reach out to. For anyone who's out there who wishes to get more information or talk to a counsellor or um, ring up for any information and help, uh, there's many ways that you can contact Mapumaya. We have a a free phone um, helpline service. Uh, We're on 0800 212122 Dot nz so you can definitely um, contact us anyway you can also text us and it's a free text and it's 3752 if anybody would like to reach out and get some support for their gambling for themselves or anybody else they're welcome to call us we're on 0800 664 262 we also have a live chat service on there that will get you straight through to a counsellor who can give you immediate support. Uh, we have a text number also, 5619, and email help at pgf.nz, and our website's pgf.nz. Kia ora and have a safe Christmas. Kia ora, Bridget.
Hi, if anyone need help, you can call Asian Family Services on our 0800-862-342. We do have a different language available, but if you know someone, um, duty counselor are not picking up the phone, you can still leave a message. That's definitely safe and confidential. We can call you back. Or you can go on our website, www.asianfamilyservices.nz or email us help at asianfamilyservices.nz as well. Thank you. Great. Thanks so much. It's great to have that contact information. Tena Koto, thank you so much for giving up your time today. Matewa. Kia ora. Matewa. Bye. And to finish off, we'll just have our final song.